Hello everyone. Welcome to another broadcast of the Inspiring Word. I trust the Lord has been good to you this week. He's always good. Even when we when we have what we feel like are bad weeks, things just aren't going right. We have struggles and troubles and trials, temptations, whatever we may think. God is still good because we still have the opportunity daily to hear His Word. And that's why we're gathered here right now, to hear God's Word. Before we begin, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And afterwards, we're going to be in Mark chapter 7. But first, like I said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Pray with me, please. Lord, as we bow before you, I want to thank you for the grace and the mercy that you have showed in my life and the lives of my family. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for all of the opportunity you've given to share the Word of God, to, uh, to give testimony of your greatness, of the greatness of Jesus Christ, the gospel, its message. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take the words that are coming before us, that you would anoint them. They would be your words, not my words. Lord, I pray for all of those that are listening who have needs. Those who may have financial needs. Those who may have uh, physical needs, health needs, uh, spiritual needs. Lord, you know every need, you know every heart. And I just pray, Heavenly Father, that your grace would shine down upon them, that you would have your will and your way in every circumstance of life. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would receive the wisdom to accept that. Lord, I pray for the word that is going to be shared, the message that follows. I pray that you would anoint it. I pray that it not, would not return to you void, but that it would accomplish all that you have purposed it to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now once again, we're going to be in Mark chapter 7. Excuse our problems. We're having some difficulties with the uh, with the broadcast center. The uh, cameras and things like that are just not wanting to cooperate this afternoon. So uh, we've had to try to work up something a little different, and uh, we will get it worked out. We do apologize for that. Okay, we're going to be in Mark chapter seven. We're going to be uh, begin with reading, reading with verse number 14 this evening. After he had called the crowd to him again, he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. If anyone has a need to hear, let him hear. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said unto them, 
Are ye so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him, because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated? Yes, he all foods clean. And he will show you that which proceeds out of the man. That is what defiles the man. Of men proceed evil thoughts, fornication, adultery, wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things proceed from within and defile the man. There is an idea and a notion among human beings. Uh, that basically good persists in the world in spite of constant evidence to the contrary. Uh, popular psychologists, for example, and secular anthropologists will insist evil is not inherent in people. They blame destructive behaviors as, ex as being external forces and environmental factors. People are not. Uh, other people are bad, not me, they may say. Well, it seems to, to be the, the proud excuse that is easily formed by the deceptive human heart. You see, that, well, that heart is unwilling to acknowledge their own guilt. They are perpetrators. Uh, that often claim to be victims. Peers, their circumstances for their criminal behavior. Understanding of human nature cannot be more opposite than what I have just described. Because if we follow a, a biblical worldview, we understand that all people are sinners, as in, given in Romans 3.23, that they are born with a nature that is already corrupt. The problem is not outside of them, but it is within them. As John 17.9 explains, the King James Version reads, The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. External factors may provide people with opportunities to manifest their sinfulness. But the corruption to do so, it already exists inside in their heart. Every we are all perpetrators of crimes against man and God. We are wicked, not because of outside influences, but because we are full of pride and lust. And according to James 1.15, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And that is what we deal with.
that is what the Jewish people of Jesus' day uh, were dealing with. They weren't affected by the, uh, the constant ramblings of modern psychologists. Yet, they somehow mis similarly misunderstood the basic truth about where corruption and defilement originates. Thinking uh, more about moral contamination coming from external sources, they developed inside of their own mind an elaborate system of rituals and ceremonies that they thought would make them pure. Now, God originally gave them these rituals and ceremonies not to make them pure, but to make them look upon Him as being the one who purifies. Yet, again, because of that sinful nature and that corrupt heart, they twisted and turned it into something that made the, the rituals and the ceremonies powerful. It made, them, it made them not only powerful, but it made the people who were performing them look powerful. It took away glory from God and it gave it to man, which in itself is sin. When we think of the word defile or defiles, it comes from a Greek word meaning to pollute or to make unclean. And that very word appears five times in this passage, twice in verse 15. Following his confrontation with the Pharisees regarding the authority of rabbi tradition that we saw and read in verses 1 through 13, Jesus continued to shatter that notion uh, that moral corruption originates uh, from outside a person. And that's where we find ourselves today. First, I want you to notice one of two things with me. I want you to notice the truth that Jesus stated. After he called the crowd to him again, he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside of the man which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So as Jesus' Galilean ministry was drawing to a close, we see that huge crowds of people were still flocking to him. His popularity continued to draw the disgust of the Jewish religious leaders. And that disgust and resentment was so strong, the only thing that would satisfy it within their hearts was to kill Jesus. That, that was the bitterness that had developed within them. Have you ever known someone who was so eaten up with bitterness that they could see no other option except the one option they had. That's what was going on with the Jewish leaders. 
They were so eaten up with and defiled with bitterness, the only option they could see for Jesus was to kill him. And that's something that started, and it kept developing and developing. Their antagonism was to constantly look and, and trace down Jesus and try to stir trouble with him and with his disciples. But here, Jesus ignores them and yet corrects them. And not only corrects them, but he shows them the, the proper way out. The proper way to, uh, to handle themselves. The proper way to, to seek God. When Jesus opens, listen to me, all of you, and understand. Like a very simple calling for people to listen. But really, it goes much more than that. It's underscoring the eternal significance of, about, of what he was about to say. What was about to say was more than just knowledge. It was sharing spiritual wisdom. An eternal significance that would far and exceed anything that could be said said to the knowledge of man. There is nothing outside of a man that can defile him if it goes in. Nothing that a man could eat, no meals, be eaten with unwashed hands or anything of that nature, that could cause a sinful pollution. Because sinful pollution doesn't come from the outside in. It's within that person. Or with all of us, really. It doesn't matter whether you are saved today in that relationship through Jesus Christ, or if you're unsaved. We're all guilty of having a heart and a life that is defiled with sin. Those of us who have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior and who have been redeemed of that sin, we know what it is like to have that burden lifted off of us. Some of you listening today may not know that. You may be there sitting under a very heavy burden right now, and I want to tell you, Jesus Christ has the answer. Come from anything you can do, and you're not in the shape you're in today because of anything you have taken into your body. No amount of alcohol, no amount of a drug, no amount of any type of behavior that you have engaged in can make you any more sinful than you already were. It comes from your heart. The reason you took and abused that alcohol, the reason you took and abused that drug, the reason you took and abused uh, the sexual immorality and fornication that you did, the reason you took and abused the lying and the cheating and the hatred and 
All of the other things is because of who you already were. And that opportunity presented itself for you to apply it in a real life physical sense and you took it. And that's just an explanation point of what Jesus is saying here. It did not come from the outside in, it came from the inside out. Nothing. And the room to a man can defy it. Nothing. But Jesus does go on. And he says, things which proceed out. That we automatically think about things that we say. Six twelve, uh, we read what characterizes a wicked man as one who walks with a provoked law. Fifteen twenty eight, we go on to learn that the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things, and those things are true. But it doesn't stop there. Things which proceed out of the mouth were not only speech, but they were desires, they were thoughts, they were attitudes that were behind that speech. Those things exist because the heart is evil, it is wicked, it is full of lust, and it is full of, of angry words and violent words. It is actions that go forth. Those are what defile a man. It is the very things from inside that come out in our hands and in our bodies and in our words. These are familiar. We're already taught. You see, we see that God sees not as a man sees. For, for man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. God looks on the heart. So let me ask you something. When God looks upon your heart, what does he see? When God looks upon your heart, what does he see? Does he see a heart that has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus? Does he see a heart that has been reclaimed, has been revived, has been restored, that has been birthed new? Or does he see one that is defiled? One that is corrupt? One that continues to Hold and grip that sin nature that doesn't know any better, that has yet to see the light of the Word and the work of God. Where is your heart and what does God see? You see, the Jews, and not just them, but Jesus is speaking to them right now. So we'll understand that 
that this is where the context is written, but understand it's speaking to everyone. And in Romans 2, verses 28 and 29, Paul says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart and by the Spirit, not by the letter, and his praise is not from men, but from God. You see, Paul was reminding everyone in his letter to the Romans that the person considered a Jew is not one that from an outward perspective, but one from an inward perspective. The person who is born again. The person who is saved by Jesus. You see, the Jewish people and those who outwardly cling to things become preoccupied with symbols and exclusions of internal purity. In doing so, it allows them to appear religious without either being repentant or righteous. In other words, they look good on the outside, but the inside is corrupt. We see that being followed through today. Sadly, there are many people sitting in churches today all over this world who are playing church. They walk in on Sunday morning. They know what to say. They know how to dress. Uh, they, they know how to carry on the vocabulary of the church. And, and don't fool yourself for one minute. There is a vocabulary in the church today. And when you learn that vocabulary, you can very easily find yourself in a spot where you give the perception as one who is being of the church, of the universal church, or of the invisible church. When in reality, it's only on the outside. That is why we hear the comparison of, of letting the tares grow among the wheat until the harvest, and then let them be separated. You see, we can't tell on the outside by visually looking, but God can on the inside. And it is God who will make the final judgment. It isn't man. You see, Jesus wants us to understand this because in verse 16, he says, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus says, If you have an ear to hear with, then use it for the right thing. You can hear the truth of the Word of God, God into the heart of man. That's what Jesus 
stopped then, and that's what he seeks now. But we continue, not for the truth proclaimed, but for that very same truth being explained now. Beginning in verse 17, you know, when he left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from the outside cannot defile him? Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. That which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, fornication, theft, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things proceed from within and defile the man. So when we see Jesus left the crowd, he went in with his disciples, and here his disciples began to question him. And they wanted to know, and Jesus asked them, do you lack understanding also? It was a rebuke, a mild one, but nonetheless a rebuke. It was less than a year until the cross was coming. And, and they were still struggling with basic truth. The lawful priority of internal righteousness over external ritual. It's likely that the disciples comprehended or they got some of it, but they didn't get all of it, and they were wanting some clarification. And I understand, on behalf of the disciples, I want to say this. The disciples, they had been taught their entire lives rituals and ceremonies within Jewish practice. And yet now Jesus, even though they knew who he was, even though they believed him, even though they accepted him by faith, they still wanted some qualification. And here Jesus was offering that clarification. Then you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside can't defile him because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach and is eliminated. Now when Jesus talks about the heart, understand, he's not talking about the physical organ that pumps blood. He's talking about um, the inner person. He's talking about the seat of one's mental, emotional, and spiritual being. It encompasses our attitude, our affection, our priorities, our ambitions, and even our desires in life. The Lord's point was that something physical and external like eating food and doing eating it even with unwashed hands can't defile the inner person because that would be physical and it's not spiritual. The condition of the heart before God is not determined by what one eats. It's determined by what is already in there. 
It is the omen of what God sees when he looks upon the heart. Your question, what does God see when he looks upon your heart? That is a question all of us need to be asking ourselves. What does God see when he looks upon my heart? It isn't something that is disturbed or affected by things that I have eaten. It is something that is affected by things that I have heard, by things that I have embraced spiritually. Spiritual defilement is an internal event. It's something that resides in every human being. The source of all wickedness comes from inside. The word thoughts. When we read out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, that word thoughts is, comes from a Greek word that refers to a person's inward reasoning or perception. Dialogamus, dialogismus. Because the heart is evil, our intentions, our designs, our motives, they're all evil and depraved as well. All of these other things that come from it, fornications, comes from the Greek word pornea, which we get our word pornography from. It is a reference to sexual sin. Thefts, the, the Greek word, klope, klope, the related verb, it provides a basis for the word kleptomaniac. Murder, phonus, the illicit taking of another person's life, adulteries, meaning sexual sin that violates a marriage covenant. Deeds of coveting refer to the desires and behaviors motivated by greed. Those are examples. It goes on and on and on and on, but it all comes down to things that proceed from the inside out. And I say and keep referring to all of that to get you to realize when, when a true Bible teacher and preacher talks about sin, nature, or depravity. It is very real. And it exists today, just as it existed in times past. And it will exist in times moving forward. And from that depravity will come defiled behavior. We can't stop it. As long as our heart is defiled, our actions will be because the opportunities that will exist in front of us will be opportunities we will be tempted into taking because they will seem so wonderful. And in the process, we will find ourselves trying to do good work to make ourselves feel better about who we are 
and cover up the fact that we are not redeemed by the blood of Christ. That we are not redeemed by His sacrifice. You see, to get rid of this defiled heart can only be accomplished in one feat, and that is a new birth. And that new birth can only be accomplished when Christ calls you to that. And through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you are led to call upon Christ to redeem you, to give you that new birth, to give you a heart that is regenerated by the Spirit of God. And Jesus said this, teaching His disciples what they needed to have not only in their lives, but what they needed to be preaching and teaching to those moving forward. Because like I said, at this point in history, the cross was less than a year away. And then they would be preaching and teaching this resurrected Jesus. And the work of the Spirit of God inside the hearts of man, bringing them into a redeemed relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That is where we are today. That's where you and I find ourselves right now. I can tell you that by the grace of God, I found Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior years ago. And I can tell you as testimony to that saving grace what it will do as far as changing and transforming your life because of that new birth. And I can tell you right now, if you find yourself drawn, if you find yourself under conviction as we call it, to call upon Jesus, don't hesitate. Do so immediately you are, do so. Call upon Him. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You know God is working with your heart right now. Do that. Call upon Him. That's all I can do. It's just ask you and plead with you. Our time with our text has came and gone. I trust the Holy Spirit has taken these words and He has moved them in your life. If I can answer questions, I can help you in any way. Don't hesitate to reach out to me. Comments, questions, whatever they may be, don't hesitate. And by all means, if you find yourself being moved by this message as a child of God, share it with others. It won't cost you anything. 
and it may be the difference in getting the gospel into the heart of someone who God has chosen to hear it. I would like to do so in a word of closing prayer. Richly bless you. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the time that you have given. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the blessings of the word that you have shared. Lord, I pray that you would take it around the corner and around the world. I pray that you would use it uh, to the depths of man's depravity to bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, you know what your will is and you know how you need to use this. It is your word. Take it, Heavenly Father. Use it as you will. Lord, thank you for all of those that are listening. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless their hearts with your precious word tonight. Lord, I pray that they would use it. I pray that they would share it. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you would continue to bless their lives, bless their work. Lead, God and direct us throughout the remainder of this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Again, our prayers are with you. So until next time, may God bless you is my prayer.